Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Good evening, everybody. Really appreciate the privilege of being here. As Steve said, Michelle will follow shortly. Uh, really thank you. It's always lovely or great or nice, whatever adjective you want to use, to be back in Chicago. And I want to thank you for sending Steve and Debbie our way. I was saying to someone, I can't remember, I think it was Chris, that uh, if Steve's preaching, yeah, what he preached there, then I need to come and put some things right. So, uh, <laughs> no, not at all. It was a lovely, really delightful to have them. So we want to thank you. You're lovely. I don't know where that word comes from. It was really a privilege to have them with us. I just want to tell you what a gift they are to us, and we want to thank you for releasing them to us as a church and the rich deposit they left there. And uh, so we want to thank you for that as well. Amen. Amen. All right. God is good, eh? Is he not? Amen. Wonderful, eh? He really is good. He really is good. Steve asked me to talk on something uh, that we are called. There's four calls that we're called to. We're called to sonship. Let's start again. We're called to salvation. We're called to sonship. We're called to service. And we're called to sacrifice. And I'm going to unpack those over the next two nights. I'm going to do salvation and sonship tonight, and that's who we are. You've heard a lot of that. But then we need to outwork it into service and sacrifice. And I, as I was praying this afternoon, I just believe God wants to peel back some things for some of you, yeah? And I also feel like God's going to give some details to some of you. Little details concerning the things he's speaking to you about in your life. Detailed things. So don't miss the details. Often when we change a small detail, it opens big doors. You with me? And I feel that's what God wants to do with you tonight. I honestly do over these next two nights. And um, we recently had Francois with us, and one of the things he shared was just uh, uh, very, very, very briefly, and uh, I'm going to share it now, just the revelation of God, how it comes to us. And I always believed with my whole heart that scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, I keep praying and asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him more. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which is called you and the glorious inheritance of having the saints. And that word spirit of wisdom and revelation, that word revelation means to uncover. It means to uncover. It's something that was hidden we couldn't see, it means to uncover. So if I took my Bible and I put it here, you can't see this part of the, or let's rather use this hand, so that hand shakes a little bit. It's not the anointing, it's just my hand. All right, so <laughs> um, you can't see that part of the, whatever it is, or if I cover this up, let's use this. You can't see the top of this, although it's there. And when I pull this away, you can see it. So it's made plain to you, you can see it. That's that word revelation been revealed to you, but that's all it's done so far. Then the next word is that word enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Then what has been uncovered needs to come and flood into your heart. That word enlightened means it's a Greek word that we get our word phototismal, photo from, that the shutters open and the light floods in and brings the image and imprints it on your heart. So that's a second part of the process, but it's still not finished. I used to believe that was it. But then you need understanding in order how to work this thing out. And when those three come together, 
then the revelation process has worked out in your life, and that brings a change in us. That's why Jesus said, when he told the parable of the seed of the sower, remember? He said, some seed is sown here, and some seed is sown there, and the seed that is sown on shallow soil is those that grab hold of it with joy, but they don't understand it, so the devil takes it away. You with me? So I'm praying that it's a process, people, that God will uncover something for some of you, that God would open up your heart, that what's been uncovered would enter into you, and that if it's deposited here, God would give you understanding on how it works out in your life. Then that truth is established. Then you walk in it. You with me? Amen. So I'm praying that something of that nature will happen tonight. So, all right, the four calls, very simply. We are called to salvation. We are called to salvation. You did not choose Jesus. I did not choose Jesus. He called us and we responded. You with me? All are called to salvation, but not all come to salvation. The Bible tells us that. God wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody does get saved. So now, so God calls us to salvation. You and I respond by the grace of God. And we get born again. I'm going to explain that. Once a year, God will call you, it's a work of the Spirit, into an understanding of sonship and what all that means. You with me? Then once you're here and some sense of establishment is made, He's going to call you to service. Now these two might still be, this, particularly this one might still be happening to a degree when He calls you to service, but He's not going to leave you. He's going to call you to serve. But it's a work of the Spirit. You with me? And then once we get some sort of establishment there, He'll call you to sacrifice. And that is the greatest privilege that He calls us to. Because sacrifice releases the power of God. When Jesus died on the cross, the greatest sacrifice of all, the earth shook, the tombs bust open, the curtain was torn and power was released. In that great love sacrifice, it was a sacrifice of love, power was released. You with me? And I want to explain these two. If we try and do these two, service and sacrifice, that many Christians try and do, without some understanding of these two, we're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to get burnt out. We're going to get... Just hurt, damaged, misunderstood, uh, etc., etc. And many people try and do this without some understanding of these two. And this is very, very important, particularly the second one. You with me? So he calls us. It's a work of the Spirit, people. It really is a work of the Spirit. He calls us to it. That word calling literally means a drawing. A, uh, uh, a stirring. It's where, John, where Jesus said in John 6, 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Draws him. In John 12, 32, it says that if you lift up, if the Son of Man be lifted up to the world, I will draw all men unto me. You see, the work is his work. We're responding to it. John 1, 12 says, all to all who received him and believed in all who received him, received. So it's a receiving of an invitation, of a drawing. 
And I love the, for me, the biggest one is in Isaiah. The book of, not Isaiah, is uh, Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah. The Bible says, when the time came to fulfill the prophecy that was prophesied, the Bible said he stirred the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. A pagan ping. He stirred his heart. He stirred his heart. Something stirred within him to fulfill the prophecy. And all that happened. Then the future, a few verses later, it said, he stirred the hearts of the Israelites. You with me? It's a work of the Spirit, but we've got to be in tune to it, folk, because God will call you. To, he will call you to this process. You with me? It's very, very, very important. Understand it. It's not your choice. It's your response to his continued invitation into these areas. But he does call us to serve, and he does call us to sacrifice. Amen. All right. All right, so let's start. Let's do the call to salvation. The Bible says it is a great salvation, Hebrews chapter 2. I think everybody sitting here is saved. I'm trusting so. If you're not, I pray you get saved tonight. Amen. Amen. He's called us to salvation. It's a great, great, great salvation. And if you want the scriptures, it's Romans 1, verse 6 and 7. And we can actually turn there if you can, if you've got a Bible. Where's Jack, by the way? There you are. Jack, while we're worshiping, I just felt like, uh, for you, I felt like God saying it's time to build. It's like you've, in the natural, you want to build a house, and you go and fetch the timber here, and you go and fetch what you need here, and you go and fetch the nails here, and you go and fetch this here, and you go fetch that there, and then you gather this all together in order to build a house in the natural. And I feel like God is saying, I want you to build your house in the spirit. You've gone to places and gathered that and gathered that and gathered that and gathered that. And God's saying, I want you to build your house. You're with me. Take what is revealed to you and put it in you. And let him build that process in you to establish you in it. It's time to build. I don't know if that makes sense to you. All right, good. All right, wonderful. All right, Romans chapter 1. Did I say that? All right. Uh, It's in the Bible. I know that. Romans chapter (laughs) 1. Romans chapter 1. See, I'm trying to get there. Did you all have a good week? You did? Wonderful. You all well? Okay, where's that lady, as I looked out the window, who got out the car? I didn't even know she was coming into this building. She had a huge smile on her face. She had a red top. I think it's that lady in the back there. Did you drive up in a car over here and get out of it? Yeah, I just felt like, yeah, you did. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, all right. I just felt like the Lord wants to shower you with joy. You have a lovely smile. And I felt like God said there's a joy in that. And there's a joy. He's going to bring you to understand a greater degree of his joy. And his joy will be your strength even in the years to come. And happy birthday, by the way. Okay, so happy birthday. I just found out today. <laughs> All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 6, it says, and you, are also, and, you, and you are also among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Call to salvation. 
You with me? All right. And there's other scriptures, but I'll just go on that one. So we see that there's a calling to this great, great salvation, folk. And it's a great salvation. You're called from something into something for that salvation process to take part. You're called from sin and the power of sin. You're called from the dominion of darkness. You're called from an empty, futile life. 1 Peter says, before we knew Christ, our life was futile and empty. I love the way he says that. In 1 Peter 1.18, I think it is. You're called from death into life. I've always said God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. All right, it's not about your morality, it's about the life of Christ in you, which will bring our morality out of you. You're with me, amen. You're called to freedom, you're called to a new life, you're called to an inheritance, you're called to citizenship, you're called to a covenant, all that takes place when you get saved. You're called to those things. So you can't just reduce the gospel to getting saved and going to heaven. That does happen, but you're called to more than that. You're called to the gospel of the kingdom of God. We are called to live in obedience under the lordship of Christ. We are called to that. That's what we are called to. We're called out of darkness into life. So we are called out of something into something. And it's a process, a journey. Salvation is the entrance door into this journey. It's not the end. It's the beginning of what's about to take place. Salvation is not an end in itself. It's the beginning of this new life in Christ, this new heart in Christ, life's Christ within me, the hope of glory. And I'm called into that. It's like he took the people of Israel out of Egypt into something. He didn't just take them out. Amen. And so salvation is incredibly, you've got to understand, we've got to understand it from that point of view. It's the entrance, it's the doorway, it's the gateway, it's the, uh, but it's a great salvation. It's the greatest miracle that will ever happen to the human race. It's the greatest miracle that God can take a wicked heart and a wicked life and a depraved life and a, and a life that is bent, bent on evil. And God can take it by his grace and love and change it. Just because of grace, just because of love, no other reason. Not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, not because anything, just because of his love and grace. And he says, come here, let me rescue you from out of dominion of darkness. Let me rescue you from this futile life. Let me rescue you from the dominion of sin and the power of sin in your life. Let me rescue you from it. And I'll get you what we call saved. Amen. The unfortunate part, there's a big misunderstanding in the body of Christ what it means to be born again. And I said to Steve on my Sunday morning, how do you know somebody's genuinely born again? Not that we go around, are you born again? Are you born again? No, 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 no. But the Bible, like a spiritual detective. <laughs> no, please, God forbid. But the Bible gives us clear understandings. So there's no confusion that I know I'm born again. There's signs of rebirth. You'll see them happening in your life. And so we can recognize that in other people's life, even though they're still caught up in something, or even though they're still maybe hurting in some place, or even they're still struggling with rejection. You know, when you get saved, not everything is hunky-dory. Hello? 
All right. Just look at Debbie. I mean. <laughs> I normally pick on Steve. I thought I'd pick on Debbie tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can go there. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's really, but God's got you now. You, He's, He's delivered you. It's a done deal in His eyes, but you saved, you're getting saved, and you will be saved. But the divine transaction has taken place. There's a divine transaction that's taken place, and you get born again. You're saved. You call to that salvation. And in my understanding, once there is a reality and it's truly born again, Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Not even you. I've got a son. I've got a daughter. I've got two daughters. They will always be my son and daughters. Always. Can't take that away. Hello? But if they want to live with my blessing and live with my fellowship and live with my provision and live with all that I can give them, then they need to be in fellowship with me. If they're not in fellowship with me, they won't live with that. They'll be my son, but they won't live with it. You with me? Okay. It's a great salvation, people. It's the greatest miracle. Thank God every day for your salvation. I promise you, thank him, thank him, thank him. It's an incredible, credible salvation. But it's usually misunderstood. My personal belief, there are many people that sit in churches today that are not saved. That's my personal belief, but I'm not saying this church, please. You all look at me. Oh, no. Really. You with me? I'm serious. I'm talking the church worldwide. They have a knowledge of Christ, but they haven't had that revelation that I was talking about. And so we've got to make sure we've been established in salvation. I got saved. I had a dramatic salvation. Many have heard that testimony. But I had some things still to work out. Some things were instantly dealt with at my salvation. Instantly. The addiction to gambling was instantly dealt with. Completely and utterly dealt with. I never had a desire to gamble again till this day. Never. Never had a desire. Not tempted. Not even tempted. So if somebody came and said, yes, $100,000, go to the casino. I'd say, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Before, ma, 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 let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a fact. There were other things as well. But one of the things I found that God had to set me free from was, I'm not an angry person. I really am not. I don't display anger. But when I get angry, I used to get badly angry. But it only happened every now and then. But it was out of kilt of who I was. God had to set me free from that. It was through a woman called Jackie Pullinger. About three or four years later, after I knew I was saved. But she set me free. Well, God set me free. Are you with me? And he does that because he loves us. And he knows the timing of all of that. So don't think because you struggle with some issues that you're not saved. No, you need to know in your heart that you save people. And you will know. The Bible tells us. There's no confusion about it. Amen. It's a great salvation. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a great salvation. Great salvation. Yeah. All right. You've got to say, great. Yeah, that's it. That's it, David. All right. So, all right. So now we've been called out of darkness into life. We're standing here. And God says, all right, Ken, you've settled that. You understand that. 
And the calling from year to year can be short, can be it'll take a little long, but now let me give you call you into sonship. This is a huge deal because this is where we get identity. Because identity comes from the Father. This is where we begin to understand the Father heart of God. This is when we begin to understand that. I'm, when I say son, a daughter, uh, we're part of the family. Let me just say this. When we're called to salvation, it's all about me. I got saved. Hallelujah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. When we're called into sonship, it's about us. When we're called to service, it's about them. When we're called to sacrifice, it's about him. It's about him. You with me? Now, that process happens in your life as you serve others, but you understand ultimately it's always about him. It's always about him. Everything I do is about him. Amen. So an understanding and a living from this place of sonship is vital. So when God calls us to serve or to sacrifice and we serve and we understand the heart from which we come in, it brings us a security. So we don't serve to get noticed. We don't serve for the accolades. We don't serve to earn. We don't serve to get noticed. We don't serve for position. We don't serve to go up as a ladder. We don't, we don't do that anymore because I'm secure. I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My identity is here. So if he says, serve this way, Ken, yes, Lord. Serve this way, yes, Lord. Serve this way, yes, Lord. And one's not greater than the other. Watch the kids, yes, Lord. Raise the dead, yes, Lord. <laughs> Same thing. One's dramatic, I understand that. But in the eyes of the Lord, I'm serving God. You with me? Make coffee. Steve, serve Ken. Yes, Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're with me but then it comes because then I don't do to earn I don't do for promotion I don't do for recognition do you understand that's why this is so important I get my identity my identity is in not what I do people my identity is in who I am in Christ my purpose can change. My calling can change. Or the outworking of what he wants me to do can change. He's the Lord. And it shouldn't affect who I am. Amen. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit on this because it's the same point. Go with me, please, if you could, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This that I'm saying took me a, a couple of years I sat in one day talking to God, and he spoke to me a lot about salvation. And probably a couple of years later, he spoke to me a lot about this. Then a while, he spoke to me a lot about this, and only took me a while to understand the process of it. So it just didn't... What did I say? Romans, 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 chapter 8. Gee, I keep going from Acts to Corinthians. Romans, chapter 8. Let's read from verse... Romans 8 verse, let's go to verse 13. Or let's go to verse 12, sorry. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Not die in terms of die on earth, but you'll, you'll, you'll die off from the life of God. So if I keep gratifying my sinful nature, although it's been crucified in Christ... 
But I'm telling you, if you give it that much, it'll rise up. And if I gratify it ongoing, ongoing, not once off, ongoing, 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 slowly I feel the life of God like withdrawing from me. But I'm still his child. Understand that, people. But I'm not sensing his life anymore. You with me? All right, I didn't mean to preach on that first. You will die. But if by the Spirit, how? By the? How? Aha! Not by yourself, will. By the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's what it's about. The Spirit that I received in me, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. I've got a Father in heaven. Cries deep. There's a deep cry within me. Abba, Father. Amen. Because our identity comes from the Father, as I said. And when the storms of life come, and they will come, trust me, they will come. If we truly know that I'm a child, I'm a son of the living God, he helps me walk through those storms of life. And he matures me through it, because that's where I'm going tonight. He ultimately is looking for sons and daughters, mature sons and daughters that can carry his glory. That's what he's looking for. So we can carry the weight of his glory. So I'm salvation. Yes, saved. Now he's saying, Ken, let me, understand, let me give you a revelation understanding. You're my son. And I want you to be able to carry the weight of my glory in increasing measures. we change from one degree of glory. So I need you to grow up and mature so I can put the weight of my glory ever more upon you. And all it is is displaying who my father is. It's not to me. It's displaying who my father is, this great almighty God that I serve. It's the weight of his glory, not mine. You with me? That's why this is so important, people. And he's looking for mature sons and daughters. And it's a process to mature. How many of you know that? All right, hopefully I'm still maturing. We are still on a road to maturing. You, I know I spoke to somebody who's got a month-old baby. Where's the guy? Sorry, James. Yeah, look at that cute little girl. Boy, look at that cute boy. James, I'm not talking about you. You're not cute anymore. You were cute. But that cute little boy, you see that? But he has everything he needs in him right now for what God's going to do with him. It's already in him, but he's got to learn to let it mature in him. It's not going to be added to him in terms of his natural ability, his sporting ability, and everything is already inside him. But as he matures, it starts to come out of him. Now, as we mature in the spirit, it slowly comes out of us. We carry the weight of his glory. You with me? Let's go to another scripture, Galatians chapter 4. Thanks, Steve. Galatians chapter 4. And I know you know this stuff, folks. I know you know this stuff. And as I said to Steve today, I'm not going to say anything new, but I know when Steve comes to my church and he preaches... And uh, I could have preached on that thing last week. 
And then some people come to him and say, why didn't you preach on stuff like that? It was outstanding. I say, yeah, it was. It was great. It was wonderful. Meanwhile, you've just preached on it. But anyway, all right. That's just the nature of it. That's just the nature of it. It just is. I don't understand. Galatians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons or daughters. Because you are sons, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, a spirit who calls out. That calls out is a deep, it's a deep calling to deep. Calls out, Abba Father, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has also made you an heir. Isn't that beautiful, eh? You have the full status of sons and daughters in the eyes of the Lord. And there's four things that happen here. Number one, you have the privilege to come and dine at the king's table. You never have to ask. You're invited all the time to come and dine at your father's table. There's always a table for you to come and dine because you're a son. My kids don't come and ask me when we put the food on the table, do you think I can have some of that food? <laughs> we just come and eat. Come and eat. Come and eat. It's for us as a family. And you have the right to eat at your father's table because you're a son and a daughter. You also get an inheritance back when you're a son. You have an inheritance. Hallelujah. Because you're a son and a daughter. You have an inheritance in the kingdom. You also get the privilege of his care, of his fatherly care. You're privileged with that. But you also get the right to get disciplined. Because he disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12 tells us that. He disciplines his sons and daughters. He disciplines us. You with me? So you have the right to come and eat. You have the right of his care. You're into an inheritance. And you have the right of his loving discipline. That's loving discipline. But he will lovingly discipline us. Trust me, he will. And he uses life circumstances sometimes to do that. And he uses my wife sometimes to do that. You're with me. I'm okay. <laughs> he uses my own kids sometimes to do that. He does. They don't even know it. But something twigs in my heart, and I've got to adjust it. And you, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. You're no longer a slave, people. What's the difference between a slave and a son? It takes time for a Christian to come out from under the spirit of slavery and enter into a place of rest to be found in Christ as a son. When he actively walks under the spirit of sonship, he enters into the full benefits of an adult son. And that striving spirit, you can put that aside. So the difference, if I had a difference, what's the comparison? A slave exists only to meet needs. Whereas a son, the emphasis is on the person and his relationship within that family. A slave, his value is derived what he can do. Whereas a son, the emphasis on what he is as a person and what he can become as a person. A slave is a profit-loss situation in the household. How much will this cost me, whatever the case is. With a son, the purpose of the person is you're preparing the person to take responsibility. It's not a profit-loss situation. 
A slave lives under the law. His position is dependent upon his response to commands. Whereas a son, is, he's the, lo- the love is the key to the family. And acceptance is maintained in that family as a family unit. And love and acceptance is where he finds himself. That's the difference between a slave. And so many people live under a slave mentality. Amen. We are sons and daughters. We are called to sonship. But that has to be revelation, people. I can't give it to you. I can tell you about it. I can preach about it. But it's a revelation from the Spirit. But I promise you, if you ask God, reveal this more to me. Let me understand this little He will. You'll let it unfold in your life. Unfold in your life. I don't know if I've told a story. If I have, forgive me because I cannot remember. I grew up, my father committed, my biological father committed suicide when I was like four or five years alcoholic. So I never knew him, but I always wanted to know him. So as I grew up into my teen years, I, wanted, I had a desire to know who my father was. And then into my early 20s, I often wondered, I wonder what my dad was like. My mother got remarried. She remarried a man, he was fine, but he was a very hard man, very dictatorial man, very kids are to be seen and not heard, that type of thing, you know what I mean? And I still remember even at 16 years old, um, just we had to be in bed by 7 o'clock at night, and uh, just it was very, uh, nothing against him, it's just he was broken himself. So that even inside me, I always wanted to know more. Then I got saved, then I got wonderfully saved, dramatically saved. And something shifted inside me. But still, I often used to say, I wonder what my dad was like. And uh, one day we were, I think I'd been saved about two years, and we were counseling a young girl, Michelle and I. And one of the questions I asked her, um, very, I just said, what was your relationship like with your dad? And she spoke to us about it, and we chatted about it. And then she had to leave, and when she left, she went with Michelle, and she walked out the door, and then she put her head back inside the door like this, and I was sitting on the couch. And she said, Ken, by the way, what was your relationship like with your dad? And then she disappeared. And God took those words, and he broke into my heart. Simple thing like that. And he broke, because all those thoughts that I'd had for years started to come to the surface, just, just quickly, if you understand what I'm saying. My biological father... And I burst into tears. I'm 35 years old. I'm weeping like a baby. And I started to just curl up on the couch. And in that process, God began to reveal his father's heart to me. It's like I got saved again. I can't explain it. Just he started to flood me with the love of the father. That's what he started to flood me with. It just... From that day on, we sang that song. It's an old charismatic song. Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of who you are. I sang that song for two years because it was just such a revelation to me. It changed the way I fathered. It changed a lot inside me because God gave me some understanding of this. Not all of it, but some understanding. And so even in my prayer, and I know we pray to Jesus or through Jesus, I pray to the Father. It's about every time I pray, I pray to the Father. Because it just does that. But I love Jesus with all my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's that revelation that I'm praying breaks through into some of your lives tonight. The son. You're a son. You're a daughter. You might have had a bad experience growing up. 
might have had a bad, uh, bad is the wrong word, uh, maybe a bit of a broken dad. He struggled himself. Or you saw it or whatever. But that's not God the Father. It's not God the Father. You with me? It did the world of good inside me. It really did. Really did. Now God wants to take that son and mature him. Or that daughter and mature him. And we grow up in the Lord. We begin to grow up in the Lord. So... How does God go about maturing a son or a daughter? I've got five or six things. There might be many more. I've just picked five or six. Is that all right? number of things happen when you're called to some sense of maturity. When God says, my son, I want maturity. Number one, not necessarily in this order. God takes a son. Every time I say son, I'm talking daughter. And he begins to hold them a little bit more tight and accountable. It's like a harness begins to come on you. What I mean by that, what you got away before as a Christian is saying, no longer. In other words, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, but now he says, Ken, you need to cut that out of your life now. He holds me a little more tight and a little bit more accountable. Let me use an example. Um... Before I got saved, I was a sports fanatic. I lived sport morning, noon, and night, 24-7, at the expense of my family. When I got saved and God began to speak to me, he told me to cut out all sport out of my life. Not because there's something wrong with sport, but because it was such an idol in my life. So for five years, I didn't watch sport. I didn't talk sport. I didn't know. There was a five-year gap. That I knew nothing of what happened. And I love golf. I love the majors. I love, just love that stuff. You're with me. But I have no idea what happened those five years. It was a response to his voice. So I cut it out completely. He held me accountable. Is sports sinful? No. Do you understand what I'm saying? He begins to hold you accountable. And he's saying you can't get away with that anymore. Can I want to hold you? Let me ask you a question. You know Achan in the Bible... Uh, when they went into the promised land, and Achan stole that when they defeated Jericho. It wasn't such a great thing, was it? He just took some jewelry. Compared to what the other people did when they walked around the desert, my, 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 it was nothing. But God started to hold the nation of Israel more accountable as sons because of what he wanted to do with them and to destroy the nations within. And he's saying, in order for you to destroy those, I've got to hold you a little bit more accountable. Think of the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. How many of you told a lie since you've been saved? If you don't put your hand up, I'll cast that lying spirit out of you. Okay. What did Ananias and Sapphira do? They told a lie. That's all. And the roll of mats, the people that rolled the mats with bodies inside came into the door and rolled them up. Because God was holding them more accountable. You see, as we grow in the Lord and he wants to release his glory, he'll hold us more and more and more accountable. So I'll say to you, that movie, uh uh-uh, Ken. Uh -uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You with me? And it's no good for him to tell you, "Uh uh-uh. It's for your Father in heaven to say, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. 
because I might be able to see it, but you cannot. <laughs> All right, because he's holding me accountable. He's training me. He's maturing me. He's maturing me. So he begins to hold me accountable. There were certain things that God began to put in my life. Do you know that we cut out all secular music for seven years? Unless I walked in a mall, but I didn't buy it. I didn't listen to it. I didn't purposely listen to it. Cut it out completely, because that's what the Lord said. Cut all music out of your life completely. Now you say that might be over the top. Might have been over the top, but I was just trying to be faithful to the Lord. But in that time... I developed such a heart of worship for God. So I love worship, but I sing like I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what I sing like. Five or six keys at once. And I notice when I sing, everybody, there's a ring that develops, goes away from me. <laughs> but I love worship. That's what he put in my heart. Do you know that John Wimber, many of you don't know this, John Wimber was part of a band called the Righteous Brothers. The Righteous Brothers... When the Beatles toured America, they were asked to be the supporting band to the Beatles, the Righteous Brothers. They had a number of singles out and LPs at that time, whatever the case is. John Wimber got saved. The Lord told him, I want you to take all that music, all of it, and go and dump it on the trash heap. He's written his, it's in his um, testament. He struggled with it, but eventually he said he piled it all in the back of his sedan off you went to the piles of it. All that music from the Righteous Brothers, all the accolades, phew, dumped it all. Look what came out of Vineyard Music years later. We still sing some of those songs. Are you with me? Now that will come more to the sacrifice, I understand. But that's what he does as sons and daughters. He holds us just a little more accountable. That's what he does. You with me? Same as you do with your own son and daughter. You hold them a little more accountable as they mature. Okay, number two, we're trained to ignore the world. He trains us to ignore the world. What do I mean by that? He trains us to ignore the wisdom of the world. He trains us to ignore the plaws of the world. He trains us to ignore the appetites of the world, that he becomes the greater one. So he trains us to ignore the world around us, through how the world does things, how what the world says, do it this way or do it that way. He trains us to say, no, 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 don't go the way of the world. Don't look for the applause of the world. Don't look for the appetites of the world. He trains us in that. It's a process, folk. It really is a process. That's why when you discipline your kids, if you discipline them now, you're teaching them to hear the voice of the Father later. That's why discipline is so good. Number three, you, he trained me, or no, he trains you to work on team. You see, you got saved. It's all about me. Look how great so God loves me. How nice. Thank you, Lord. I got saved. Hallelujah, Lord. It's me. It's me. It's me. Yeah, it's about us. So now he's training you to work with other people. He's saying, no, now you're part of a family. You've got brothers and sisters, and they rub you up the wrong way, and you've got to learn how to deal with it. And, you know, some you get on better with others, but you've got to love them all. And you, you know the deal. You understand what I'm saying. He's training you with it. That's what he's doing. He's training you with that. Um, Aldred, a uh, guy that led a church back in Durban, Aldred Engelsman, I was on his lead eldership team. He had led this church for years and years and years and years. A lovely one man. He really taught me grace, that man. I learned a lot through that man, grace. Um, anyway, I came, joined the church. He put me on the eldership. And um, he then went to India. And when he was at India, before he went to India, he asked me if... Um, um, 
I could just watch over the church, and I said I would do that. And when he came back, he thanked me. And the reason why he thanked me is because previously when he did that, the guy that I left behind tried to usurp the church from him. And I realized what a benefit is to learn to work on team and trust one another. And I also learned under that man, he came and he picked three or four of us and he said, listen, on Saturday morning we're going to do a teaching. Will you teach an half an hour on that and you on that and you on that? Just, I'm just being brutally honest here. And you on that. And he said, will you teach on that? I said, sure, Eldred. They all had their turn and we ran out of time. And I hadn't spoken yet. And my attitude stunk. It did. My attitude stunk. I didn't respond well. Because <laughs> I didn't get my chance up front. You with me? And God begins to hold you accountable for stuff like that. All right. He trains us to hear the voice of the Father. Above all voices. He trains us to his voice become the loudest. His voice has to become the loudest. That's what he trains as a son. He says, you're my son. My voice must be the loudest in your life. The loudest voice in your life. Not that you can't listen to other voices, but mine must triumph over those other voices. You with me? And that's a process of training. Number five, he trains us in responsibility for our actions, for the way we respond to people, where we stop blaming others for what we're doing because we're doing it wrong. And we say, well, it was their fault and whatever. You know with that situation, we're everybody else's fault, but I don't want to take the blame. He trains us and he's saying, no, no, own up to it, Ken. He trains us um, in the responsibility, in the small things. I found he started to train me in the small things in my life, little things in my life. I need to be responsible with the little things in my life. Like a son in the house. Like a son, you train a son, take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. It's a little thing. It's not a major thing. It's little things like that. The father was training him in stuff like that. If you understand what I'm saying. Um, We led youth back in Cape Town. I got saved and we went to full-time youth ministry. And um, we met... Um, a couple of times in the week, and then on a Sunday afternoon we met as well. We had like a Bible study with all these young teenagers, and a lot of them used to come. We were part of a Presbyterian denomination at that stage, but very charismatic Presbyterian church. Learned a lot. And uh, after service on a Sunday, we'd go and have lunch, and then everybody would go to the barbecues, and I had to come early from the barbecues because I had to go put all the chairs out. I had to go to put 60 chairs out for all these young teenagers. And then they would come, and I'd teach and talk to them, and then they would all leave, and then I'd pack the chairs away. Five years. The fourth year, I said, oh, these brats, they're just teenagers. <laughs> and the Lord said, all right, we'll do it another year. Are <laughs> you with me? <laughs> yeah. That's what he does. Until he goes, hallelujah, Lord, I'm putting out chairs for these lovely teenagers. <laughs> hallelujah. Come and sit here, you brat. I mean, lovely teenager. <laughs> You're with me. He trains, he trains you in the little things in life. That's what I'm trying to say. To be responsible in the little things in life, people. Because he's training you for a son. Because he's saying, I want to release more of my glory upon you, Ken. All right. He trains you in patience and perseverance. When things or situations don't go the way you planned or would you like. 
How do you respond? I know I used to sulk quite a bit. <laughs> What's so funny about that? Yeah, yeah. Give me that worm, a little fat thing. Just eat. <laughs> Am I the only one that goes through this stuff? Am I being too real or what? Gee. Ah, yeah. He trains us in perseverance and he trains us. How are we going to respond when things seemingly don't go our way? We're not getting what we want or we even thought what God said. But God, you said, but it's not happening. <laughs> Amen. He's training us, people. He's training us. That's what he's doing. He's training us. I want to take you to two scriptures and end with a story. Is that okay? And then we'll pray. Good, it's 8 o'clock. Can we go to two scriptures? Romans chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 12. Personally, for me, I'm not saying this is a prophetic word for you as a church. Personally, for me, I believe God as a church is taking you through that process and this process and is about to take you into some of these processes. That means you're not going to go through some of this and you Christians have to go through it, but as a group, you're beginning to understand this a lot more better. And your response to God, I believe God is encouraging you. The way you've responded to him as a church as a whole. That's what I'm saying. So he's taking you as a, say this, this is his son. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I really believe that. And I believe he's saying, not that you haven't served and sacrificed. You have. Many of you have. But I believe he's going to take you a little more down this road. But then you're going to see things happen that you long to see over here, that you've prayed for, but you're going to see them happen, yeah. Some more of a miraculous. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, so I've been called, I've responded to the call, I've been saved, okay, We have peace with God. That's one of the signs of rebirth through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character hope. That word suffering literally means pressure, affliction, and hardships. Not to do with sickness. That's pressure, affliction, and hardship. That word perseverance literally means patient, unswerving endurance, constant obedience, constant steadfastness. And that word uh, character, you know what that word character means? Developed, approved Faith and tried integrity. It's gone through a process. It's gone through a refining fire. And there's a faith that's developed and an integrity that's developed. There's character substance. And the Lord says, you know the hope of glory you just prayed about in verse chapter 3? Let me reveal some of my glory to you. Amen. It's a process, folk. Please don't be 
It's by the Spirit, remember? It's by the Spirit, okay. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Am I making sense? Thank you, Debbie. I think I'll take you with wherever I go, Debbie, so you can just say yes, 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 yes. (laughs) All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Endure, oh, this is a nice one, hardship as discipline. Let's go two verses up. And have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you at sons? A word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes. That means not punish in terms of beating. Just disciplines us, everyone as a son. As, as, as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating your sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and are true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. Because we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what it does. I'll tell you a story. When they're going to pull the king's carriage, the king and queen of England... They need some horses. I don't know how many have watched the whole when the carriage comes past. And what, I don't know if I've never done that. I'd like to watch it one day. But they get these horses, these well-trained horses. They've got to pull the, and the king and queen sit on their chariot and the horses pull them. Well, they train those horses. They go and catch those stallions and they train them. And they pick them out and they train them and then they bring them together. And I don't want to lose the essence of my story. And uh, they put a harness on these horses because they've got to learn to carry the harness, and they teach them to, to harness two horses together, how they're going to run in team, and are they going to run together, uh, how they're going to respond to the crowd, because they can't respond to the crowd. Yay, king and queen coming. They can't respond to the crowd. Just got to pull this carriage. You with me? Yeah. And they see how they're going to respond to it. And if during the training these horses won't respond, they let the horse go. And they let the horse free, and it runs in a paddock and runs around, and it's like free. But that horse never has the privilege of push, pulling the carriage of the king and the queen. Never has the privilege of carrying the glory. And that's like with us. Because he loves us, people. He wants to reveal his glory in and through us as mature sons and daughters. And the way it's revealed is through service and sacrifice. Are you with me? We're saved. We're called to salvation. We're called to sonship. We're called to an understanding in the process of this. We're called to service and we're called to sacrifice. You can't do this without understanding this. That I'm loved and I'm saved and I'm secure and I'm his and I'm not a failure and I'm etc, etc, etc. I don't have to earn his love. Are you with me? All right. Thank you, Lord. I hope this was helpful. All right. We'll do the practical side tomorrow. Father, I thank you for this group. I honestly do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If, please close your eyes. If while I was teaching, but it's not about me, 
But Lord took something and it pricked your heart. Not in a negative way, but it just, just said, yes. You just felt the reson- something resonate inside you. You know what I'm talking about. You just, it could be a phrase, it could be a word, it could be part of what I said. And it's not because of me, it's because the Spirit of God has taken something and just made it resonate inside you. Won't you stand, please? If you're not resp- doesn't mean nothing happened. It doesn't mean that at all. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I know it's a work of the Spirit. Lord, it can only be by your grace and love. It cannot be any other way. And so I pray for everyone here standing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I just pray for them. Mark, as I said hello to you today, I saw a statue on you that I had not seen before. I feel like God has put a statue on you, a real statue. I saw like a mantle. There's like a mantle that has come upon you through your diligence, through your perseverance, through your willingness to be obedient, through your generosity, and you've gone through some thick and through some thin times. And I feel like God has just put a mantle upon you. I feel like the Lord said, this is my mantle upon you. It is an easy yoke. It won't be heavy, but it's giving you stature in the spirit. It's going to give you even stature in the city because it's of me. It's of me. I feel like God's going to grant you even greater favor in the city. I feel like you're going to enter a season of not only favor with God, but favor with man. Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for your work in his heart. I thank you for his willingness just to submit and surrender and, and lay things down. Thank you, God. And I know even that is of you. Even that is of you, Lord. And so, Lord, I just want to bless your son in the name of Jesus. Bless your son in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray for all these people standing. Holy Spirit, just come and touch, break open, peel back what needs to be peeled back. Let the whole aspect of sonship or daughtership become a reality in people's lives, a reality in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, a reality, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even just the desire to be loved and accepted. Let that just become a reality, a reality. Just bring healing to this lady, I pray. I don't know what you're struggling with, but just bring healing to her, I pray, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray sonship over this man. Just sonship over this man. Sonship over this man, Lord. Thank you. Just sonship over this man. Thank you, Lord. Just sonship. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. And even over this man, thank you, God. Hallelujah. Just your Father's heart over this man, Lord. I just sent your Father's heart over this man. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, we bless the work of your hands. We bless the work of your hands. Just bless what you're doing with these people, Lord. I pray even as they sleep tonight, just an ongoing understanding of who they are in Christ. Their position, the full right to eat from his table. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, people. All right. I just want to be cognizant of the time. Any questions? Can I open it up for a question and then we want to finish? We've all had a long day. No questions? Yes. Yes, our response to God. Yeah. It's our choice in a sense of our response. We, have a, we can choose, yes or no, but there's a divine invitation. That's the call, a divine invitation. Come to me, come to me. So I have a choose if I want to respond or not respond. But even in our response, God helps us with that. That's an incredible thing. That's his grace. Yeah. Even in our response, God helps us with that. Yes. Call them what in terms of who they are in Christ or in terms of a ministry? Yeah, kind of like, uh, well, right. I guess more like ministry or um, you're calling for like a work. Yeah, I think that comes down the line. I think God wants to establish some of these things first. And sometimes when He calls you, I found He puts an inclination in your heart or a desire in your heart of some kind that you long to do or be involved in. But it's not now. It's just like a hook in you. It's like a, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's like a, uh, a nugget of what's going to come down the line. And depending on our ongoing life responses as to ha- whether we're going to walk into that or not. It's not a fait accompli. The calling is not retracted because he doesn't take the gifts away, if you understand what I'm saying. But our response to him will determine how far we go into it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Correct me if I'm, yeah. So even in terms of ministry, even in terms of the ministry, God is more interested in who you are than what you do. Far more interested in it. I know he does co-labor with us. I know there's things to do. I understand that. But it's got to come from this understanding. Because if we're doing to earn, we're in trouble. If we're doing for recognition, we're in trouble. If we're doing for applause, we're in trouble. If we're doing for any other reason other than, Lord, I'm doing this for you. We're in trouble. That's what I'm trying to say. Because the devil will come and sneak in there and, and not only usurp it, but taint it. You'll taint it. That's what he begins to do. He begins to taint it. And so it looks nice, but you feel there's something not right here. That's what happens. So you go somewhere, you hear somewhere, you say, it sounds good, but it's just not, it's just, and you don't know what it is. And you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. I get asked a lot people like they don't know God's calling 
call to salvation or call to a, a function? Salvation is pretty easy. Okay, all right, okay. 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 For me, don't be preoccupied with the calling. Be preoccupied with him. He'll work out the calling. Be preoccupied with who he is. He's more than able to work it out in you. More than able. But we get preoccupied with the calling. Be preoccupied with the one who calls. He will work it out. Trust me, he'll work it out. Because he wants to work it out. The preoccupation has to be with him and not with what I'm called to. Yes, um, R.T. Kendall teaches a lot about inheritance. And he talks about, um, he differentiates between external and internal inheritance. And they're not biblical terms, but they're just phrases he uses. And external inheritance, he talks about the things we do, the ministry and the calling and the, the destiny and the person we're going to marry and all that kind of stuff. And then the internal inheritance is the condition of our heart. And he says, we so focus on the external and ignore the internal. But the internal makes way for the external. And it's that Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and, uh, and, all, and his righteousness, and then all those things will be added. And it's a verse we know, but that really has to be the preoccupation of our heart, is to seek his kingdom, to seek his righteousness. And his kingdom is just his lordship in our lives, kind of a lot of what Ken was saying. And, then, and, and his righteousness, his, the right relationship we have with him, and then all those things come, come after that. So just to echo, I think that's a... Some of the greatest times we've seen in our ministry, just to answer that as well, has come through the hardest times. Hard time, but I mean hard times. Hard times. I ended up in hospital 15 times in two years. My daughter had a blood transfusion. We wiped out six cars. Um, but we just, by the grace of God, I used to go, I, honestly, I used to go switch the lights off in an auditorium that we had. I used to lie on the carpet. I used to just weep. Put the music on. I'll never forget it. Darlene Check from Hillsong. I used to just repeat it again and again and again and just lay there for hours crying because I didn't know what to do. I don't know if I'm being too honest, but I don't have a clue what to do. But I just do weep and weep and weep out of hurt, but also weep out of saying, God, what's going on? But also weep and saying, God, but I desire you. I desire you. I desire you. And we saw some of the greatest breakthroughs supernaturally wise in that period. Now, I'm not saying you have to go through that for that to happen. I'm just saying it's what happened in our life. God was honing something in me, which I didn't understand at the time. I had the choice to get angry. I had the choice to get bitter. You with me? And then we came to America. Hallelujah. And that was preparation for this. It really was, without any shadow of a doubt. And the work, if we put in 50 hours work to produce that much, we put in two hours work and we produced that much in Leesburg. Don't understand it, but that's God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just the way it is. It's just. Yeah. God is good. He really is. He's on our side. He's good. You're a child of his. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to cast your side. You can fail and fail and fail and fail. You still say, my son, let's stand up. Okay. My son, let's stand up. My son, let's stand up. Always. He'll never leave us lying down there. Never. Amen. Because he's my father in heaven. 
is your Father in heaven, people. He's your Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Bless you all. I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you. Have a great evening. See you tomorrow.